Support for the following podcast comes from the Church Mental Health Summit, a free virtual summit with over 50 speakers from around the world, all focused on equipping the local church to support mental health in their communities. To check out the speakers and to register for free, go to churchmentalhealthsummit.com. From Hope Made Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out. So listen in as we learn about tools and resources, strategies that will equip your team and strengthen hope. I'm Laura Howe and welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. This week I'm highlighting one of the top, not actually one of the top, but the top viewed session from the 2021 Church Mental Health Summit. And I am so pumped that it's with Kay Warren because her talk is just so amazing. And her session is titled Taking Care of Your Soul. If you have never heard of Kay, well, her and her husband founded Saddleback Church, where they have recently retired after 42 years of service. But after the death of their son, Matthew, who lived with serious mental illness, she founded Saddleback's Hope for Mental Health Initiative. And this really is to support individuals and family members of loved ones with mental health and suicidal ideation. And these resources have equipped and inspired individuals and churches around the world to offer mental health ministries. Kay and and Rick are known for being the biggest champions or huge advocates of the church becoming safe places for those who struggle with mental health to find support and hope. In her talk, Kay doesn't come as a ministry leader who has successfully grown a large church, but she comes as a mom, someone who has been personally touched by mental illness and who's had to do a lot of work to be a healthy caregiver of someone who's struggling with serious mental health issues. And, and she says that, that at one point in time is when she had to question, how can I survive my child's mental illness with my soul intact? And I think this is just such a brave and vulnerable question because it's likely what many of us have thought too, but maybe too embarrassed or too ashamed to be able to say it out loud. A lot of people are feeling this way. For Kay, she was coming from the perspective of being a mom, but how many of us have also felt that? How, how can I survive ministry with my soul intact? Or maybe we question, how can I survive my own mental health issues with my soul intact? Or how can I survive a career of counseling others with my soul intact? It's, it's such a brave question that Kay addresses. And in her talk, she offers strategies and resources to thrive despite being surrounded by suffering. This year at the Church Mental Health Summit, we have over 50 speakers who offer similar sessions to this one, to Kay's, uh, pastors, clinicians, organizational leaders, and those with lived experience all offer sessions that give you tools and resources and strategies to support mental health in yourself, in your leaders, in your churches, and in your community. So while you're listening to Kay's session from the 2021 Summit, go to churchmentalhealthsummit.com and register for this year's free online event that goes live on October 10th. I hope you enjoy Kay's session. Hi, everyone. I'm so glad to join you today at the Church Mental Health Summit. It's really an honor to be here with you. You know, in 2019, I began a ministry called Breathe. And it's a ministry for parents of children of any age who live with serious mental illness. Um, serious mental illness is really a long journey. It's, it's not a destination and it's not, you know, a short little run. It's, it's a long journey. And parents, caregivers, 
moms and dads need an awful lot of strength and energy to do well on this on this long journey with our children. And the breathe events that that I began was to be a resting place, if you will. Like on when I used to take long car trips as a kid, there were these little rest stops in the desert where my dad would pull over and we'd go to the bathroom and get something to drink and rest in the cool of the shade and then get back on the road to, to Texas where we were going to visit family. And I kind of visualized that we all need some of those rest stops along the way, some places where we stop, we you know, we get refreshed, we gather supplies, we take a drink of water, we breathe, we get out of the car, walk around, and then we get back in because we've got to get back on that journey. This this journey with our kids with serious mental illness is long and, and we need refreshment along the way. And so what I want to talk to you about today is about self-care for this long journey. And I don't mean the kind of self-care that is typically written about in magazines or, you know, books or popularized at, at, at conferences. I'm, I'm really talking about how to take care of our souls. It's so much more than taking a day off or taking a nap, which are good things. And, you know, if you can get a day off and a nap, take it because it's always going to be helpful. But I'm mostly talking about learning how to take care of your soul, your, your inner life. Um, Gail McDonald wrote in um, her book, High Call, High Privilege, many, many years ago. She talked about how that we have an inner fire. There's a there's a little campfire that burns in our souls. And we have to really be careful to nurture that little tiny campfire because it can easily go out. And if it goes out, we have nothing left to give to other people. And when I think about that, as it relates to being on this journey with, with a loved one with serious mental illness, there that little fire, that passion and that zest for life that kind of gets us out of bed in the morning and, and gets us ready to, to, to live and to be with the people that we love, you know, frustration, anger even bitterness can begin to grow deep in our hearts and anxiety for our kids and, and, and those blazing embers of, of passion and zest can, can get put out. That fire can go out after a while. And, and then we walk around numb or oblivious or, or cold, or maybe even um, with some of the darkness of despair in ourselves, because, because that little fire has gone out. We haven't nurtured it carefully. The Bible talks about in third John, um, you know, there's only, there's only just the one chapter. So in third John two, John talks about, he says this, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along. Well, I, I love that because it said, John is saying, not only do I pray that your body does well and that you thrive and that you have health in your body, but I also pray that your soul will do well and that you will thrive in your soul. As our son Matthew began to deteriorate in his last few years um, before he took his life, he was so ill and, and our lives were consumed with his illness, trying to care for him. And my goal became one of survival. Like, how can I survive his illness with my soul intact? And I wasn't even sure I could. I, I wasn't really sure how I how my soul was going to survive all of the trauma, all of the, of the drama, all of the pain and the suffering that, that he was going through. And I didn't know how to care for him and help him live without losing some of my own soul in the process. That's really, really hard because there were so many things I couldn't control about his illness. I couldn't control whether he was in a, uh, you know, a good period 
um, or where he was really sinking low. I couldn't, even with my best efforts. But what I began to figure out was while I couldn't control his illness and I couldn't control the course of it and how it was happening in him, I could control what was going on in my own soul. And I had to make those kind of choices to do that. About that time, I read um, Frederick Buechner, uh, a quote from um, in one of his books where um, he was talking about his daughter who had a really serious eating disorder and she was near death a couple of times. And he, and he wrote there, he said, I discovered that a bleeding heart is of no help to anyone if it bleeds to death. And that's what can happen to us as parents, moms, dads, caregivers, grandparents, you know, siblings of someone with a serious mental illness, that if we do not look for intentional ways to strengthen our inner lives, to strengthen our souls, we can become bleeding hearts that bleed out. And then we have no ability to help our children, help our loved one. We have no resources left within ourselves to face the situations that might come our way. And so I really want to spend the, the bulk of the little bit of time that I have with you today to look at Jeremiah 17. It's been a passage that's been very instructive for me for many, many years. Um, so clear in its instruction about, about what it means to, to be able to grow a soul that is, that is healthy, that, that is, still has life in it, even when circumstances are hard. So I have three practical ways I want to give you to strengthen your soul for whatever it is that comes your way. So Jeremiah 17, 5 to 8 starts with, Cursed is the one who, who trusts or unhappy is the one who trusts in human strength and the abilities of mere mortals. His very heart strays from the eternal and it becomes like a little shrub in the desert that never grows. He will see no good thing come his way. He will live in a desert wasteland, a barren land of salt where no one lives. But the Bible goes on to say, but blessed or happy is the one who trusts in me alone. The eternal, I'm going to make, I'm going to personalize and say she this time, the eternal will be her confidence. She will be like a tree planted by water, sending out her roots beside the stream. She will not fear when the heat or even drought comes. Her leaves stay green and her fruit is dependable no matter what she faces. And so the th three things that I see in those verses that have helped me build a stronger inner life to survive not only my son's very serious mental illness, but also his death and the other wounds and pains and challenges that have come as, as we in my family have, have tried to rebuild our lives. And here are the three things. The first that I see, first thing I see here is, is to stay deeply connected to God. You know, if I could beg you on my hands and knees, I would beg you not to let the hard circumstances of your life pull you away from God, to make your heart bitter. Some of the things that happen to us, whether it has to do with mental illness or other really painful, anguish-producing circumstances in our lives, can, can lead to bitterness of soul. I remember there were times when I looked at Matthew and what he was going through and, and how difficult and how painful it was for those of us who loved him, my, my other children and my husband and extended family. And sometimes I would say, God, it's just not fair. 
It's just not fair. He was just a little boy when he became ill. Why should a little boy have to face this crippling depression, this crippling anxiety? Why can't we get the help that he needs? Why do other families, how can they help their loved ones and we can't help our loved one? And and um, and why is it so intense for him? And other people seem to just kind of breeze through. They, they just don't have these struggles. And I realized that there really was a little bit of maybe more than a little bit, sometimes a bitterness taking root in my heart. And when our hearts become bitter at God and to feel like he loves other people more than he loves us, that he's not being fair to us, our hearts can start to wander. You know, our hearts can start to wander away from that, that river of living water where, where the tree is planted, where we draw our sustenance. And, and then we turn into the, like a, just a little shrub, like a tumbleweed that's dry and blows with every wind and it's aimless and it's purposeless and it's shriveled up. I don't want, I didn't want that for myself. I saw when it was happening and I didn't want it. I knew that there was no life there and there's no life there for you if bitterness, anger, frustration um, start to pull you away from God, if you start to break that connection with him. And so I just, like I said, if, if I could beg you, I would beg you of all the things you do in your life, stay connected closely to God. The second thing I would say in caring for your soul, nurturing it, growing it, um, keeping that inner fire going is to also stay connected deeply to other people. Um, for those of you that have a loved one with, um, with serious mental illness, get connected. It's hard. I, I don't mean that that's an easy thing. It's very difficult to find good, strong connection with other parents, but the value of it is so profound when you find it that it's worth almost any amount of money that you would pay to be connected with other people who know what it's like. So join a support group or an online support group, get in therapy yourself as an individual or, or as a couple, because serious mental illness can really take a toll on, on a marriage and, and on a family. We have some of these breathe events that I told you about. Some of them are, in fact, most of them are free online Zoom calls where you can join in with other parents and, and, um, and talk to them. And the reason is because there is unbelievable strength when parents share their collective wisdom with each other. It's amazing. I really think that we as parents we're our own best teachers when it comes to this. I mean, I'm so grateful for the mental health professionals and you know researchers who've spent their lives, devoted their lives, trying to learn about mental illness, trying to figure out therapies or, or modalities that make a difference. I'm grateful for that. But the very best help I have ever received about living with someone with serious mental illness has been other parents, other people walking the same journey, those who are on this walk. And the, the best help I think you'll ever get will be from other people who are on the same road. But at the end of the day, it's not just the collective wisdom that has made a difference for me that has helped my soul to survive and thrive. Um, it's it's that, that, that horrible sense of being alone, of being isolated, of being weird, of being different, of sitting at a women's Bible study table and have everybody tell, you know, their, their, their hardest thing that week was they couldn't get their kid to clean up their room. And inside I'm going, yeah, the hardest thing this week I had to deal with was keeping my son alive. And so you can end up feeling so alone, so isolated, so different, so out of 
normal life. And to be with other parents who are walking that road, it has this way of dispelling that sense of aloneness that is life-giving. I'll never forget um, some moms that were on my Facebook page a, a few months ago from Montana. And uh, I saw that one of them said, hey, is there anybody else you know, on this site that is from Montana. I don't know anybody else who has a child with serious mental illness. And it's so lonely. I will drive anywhere to you in Montana if you're here. And within like 45 minutes, four other moms had said, I'm from Montana, I'm from Montana. And within like a day, they had decided to meet each other. And they all drove to some central spot and sat in a, a diner or a cafe or a Denny's or something. And they, they spent hours just talking and sharing. And then they took a picture and the, the look of joy on their faces made everything worth it to me because they had discovered experientially that they really weren't alone and staying connected with God and staying connected with each other is so life-giving. The third thing that I see in that passage that has been very true for me, and it may seem a little strange, but it's this, Stay deeply connected to God, stay deeply connected to each other, but stay connected to beauty. I know that that's a, a surprising one, but, but beauty is the provision that God has made to fill our souls with life. It's amazing to me. A few years ago, I met Dr. Diane Langberg, you might be familiar with her, a wonderful woman, has been a, a counselor for trauma and sexual abuse survivors for more than 40 years. And this woman has... I mean, she has heard the dregs of humanity. She's heard the stories, the wounds, the abuses, the trauma. I mean, the, the ugly underbelly of life. Dr. Langberg has, has dealt with that part of life for so many years. And I asked her, how do you do it? How do you survive when there's so much evil and corruption and darkness that uh, the most hideous kinds of abuse, how, do you, how does your soul survive that kind of work, that kind of ministry? And she didn't hesitate. She said, I run after the opposite. I, I run after God. I run after the opposite of evil and darkness and corruption. I run after God and light and truth and beauty and goodness. She said, I fill my soul. I fill my senses with the exact opposite of what my ministry and, and work life has been. Now, to me, that was revolutionary. I mean, it. I, I knew that there was amazing kernels of truth there, but I didn't know how much it was going to transform my own life. Um, in the last, in the last year, uh, you know, with COVID year and a half, especially last year when um, almost everybody was, you know, at home and I wasn't able to go to my job, I wasn't able to travel and do the things that I was used to doing in ministry. And I was pretty much just sitting in my home office like this, you know, in front of a screen, I discovered beauty in a new way. I've always loved music, always loved music, but I discovered a new way and it was nature. One day I was out in my backyard and I, I heard, I mean, I, I heard this bird, this sound, and I looked up and there was this gorgeous bird, yellow and black and red. It was spectacular. And I said to my husband, where did that bird come from? I've never seen such a bird. He's like, I don't know. I've never seen it. And like the next day, I saw that bird go through my yard. And after several days of this bird showing up in my yard, I, I had to look, up, look it up online to see if I could figure out what it was. And I realized that it was a migrating bird that comes through my area every year at that time. And I realized after I asked the very stupid question of, I've lived here 28 years, where have these birds been? The answer was the birds have always been here. I haven't been here. 
And it started me on an interest in, in birds. And before long, I had bird books and binoculars in every room of the house and little bird guides and bird puzzles and bird mugs. And I'm sitting out in my yard every day, looking at the birds, talking to the birds, listening to the birds. And I realized that God was pouring life into my soul in beauty, not just the color of the birds, not just, you know, in their, the funny little things that they do. It was the, it was just the mere pleasure of their existence. And as I sat there quietly, if I sit quietly, they come. And in that quiet calmness, some of the anxiety that was churning in my soul about what was going on in our world, all the things I couldn't control, all the things I didn't have any answers for, all the things that I didn't know how they were going to turn out, sitting there with the birds and in the quiet with God, I realized I don't have to fix it all. I can't fix it all, but I do have a God who loves even the birds. And if he cares for even the birds, he cares what's happening in our world. I found it to be life-giving, calming, regulating. The beauty was healing to my soul. And so as we wrap this up, I just want to suggest to you that there are three concrete things that you can do that will bring beauty, that will bring life into your heart, that will allow your soul to flourish, will keep those little embers in that tiny little campfire of your soul burning. It will fill you again, and it is to stay connected with God. It will be staying connected with other people and seeking beauty. If we want to be like that, that second part of Jeremiah 17, the tree that brings forth fruit in every season, the, the tree that never fails to produce fruit, no matter if it is a year of drought, it is because the tree's roots went deep into the water, into the source of our life, which is Jesus Christ. And when we do that, when we do that, our inner lives will begin to be built up. They will stay strong. We will be able to face whatever comes our way. I pray that for you. I pray that for myself. God bless you. Thanks so much for letting me just share with you a bit. Thanks for listening. I hope you found hope and, and resources and, and ideas through Kay's session. And you're going to want to check out the churchmentalhealthsummit.com and register for this year's free Church Mental Health Summit. It's such a great event that gives you a ton of resources just like this one so that you can support mental health in your own life and in your community and in your church. Thanks so much for listening. Take care.